0: Join Startup Canada this spring as we tour across Canada to celebrate the winners of the 2018 Startup Canada Awards. Join us in Winnipeg, Vancouver, Miramichi, Sault Ste. Marie, and Montreal. Network with leading entrepreneurs and the drivers of Canada's startup community. Visit StartupAward.ca for more information and to get your tickets now.
1: Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers' world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy, whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team, or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small
0: business to get started. a real entrepreneur helping others succeed this is your host rivers corbett on the startup canada podcast million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett, and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, buckle up, because we are in for an epic, epic, epic ride on the Startup Canada podcast today. Just really, really thrilled to have the youngest ever entrepreneur to join CBC's hit show, Dragon's Den. She's on our show today. It's Michelle Romano, the co-founder and president of her latest venture, ClearBank, that makes accessing funding simple and affordable for entrepreneurs. Michelle is no to to success she started three companies before her 28th birthday one being Snap Saves which was acquired by Groupon she's a celebrated entrepreneur who's made WXN's 100 most powerful in Canada and is listed as the only Canadian on Forbes Millennials on a mission list. In 2017 Michelle won Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award by Startup Canada and has previously taken home the RBC Canadian Women Entrepreneur Award. She sits on multiple boards, and is director of Freshy, which is a fast food health store that, get this, ranks higher than McDonald's in Subway in terms of international experience and expansion. Today's podcast, we'll be talking to Michelle about her strategy behind starting multiple high growth companies and how she's taking Canada's tech scene to higher places. Michelle, I'm really thrilled to have you on our show today. Oh, uh, Thank you so much for having me yeah, it's gonna be a great conversation. and look, i want to I want to deal with the elephant in the room first, your journey with the uh, the Dragon stand. I know you get a gazillion questions asked for that, but we're awfully uh, awfully impressed, proud, all everything above with you being on the show. Um, what's it been like in because uh, you you started in two thousand and fifteen, correct? Yeah, I started uh, it was my third season this year. Um, and you know, yeah.
1: So what's it know, been it's like? fun, right? I think that, um, you know, the greatest part about that show is I get to do what I do in real life on television as myself. And so it's, it's not <laughs> cool. acting, it's our own money that we're giving away, but I have spent a career, you know, sitting in an office until 10 30 at right. night, Thinking about, is this a good idea? Should we try this idea? How do we iterate on this idea? What's the competitive advantage in this idea? And, you know, should we yeah. build it? Should we invest in it? Should we support in it? And to, to be able to do that, you know, on a show uh, for, you know, millions of Canadians to
0: see, I, I just feel really lucky. Uh, Wes, wonderful. Did you, uh, you know, I, I asked, uh, I was fortunate enough to um, to uh, interview one of the previous dragons, Bruce Croxon. I asked him this question and um, and we got a lot to talk about, so we're not going to talk a lot about the den, but I, I'm interested in this question or your answer to this question. I said to him, what happens on that show that most people don't know happens on that show? You
1: know, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, you know, the first, the first myth is that we're spending CBC's money, um, which couldn't be for this from the truth yeah. uh, we, we are spending our <laughs> right. own money and investing our own dollars i don't i don't invest it in a fund i invest my own my own personal dollars um and the second myth is that we know something about the companies before they come down the stairs and make their mm. pitch and, you know nothing further from the truth the producers do an extraordinary job of hiding we don't know in you know, the picture. Or who their competitors are, or, or even what they do. And that's how you elicit these really raw reactions around, oh, I don't, I don't quite understand this product, or I don't quite understand how you use it, or I don't, you know. And uh, and so I think that that uh, that surprises most people, because most people think we have some, some level of diligence documents or briefing documents before we start, uh, and that's not the case.
0: Yeah. And, but I think that that adds to part of the fun that you're going through also with when you're sitting on the chair because of you just course, don't think like that
1: is the fun right and you you never know if you're gonna get yeah. you know then the next Facebook or you know a crazy wild idea that someone's worked on for 20 years and hasn't gotten traction yet
0: right? it's it's, uh, it's wild and wonderful do, you, do you, I, I said i wasn't going to talk a lot for you, but what's the celebrity status like for you as you're walking down the street now and people come running up to you and say i saw you uh, you know you're all wonderful and so on is that kind of uh i is that been a good experience for you or is it now just oh my gosh i gotta put you know i gotta put my hat on and so on
1: no you know i think that um you know to have to have you know, there'll there'll be moments where, you know, maybe you'll be in a bathroom and you won't be in a great position that you want to chat at the moment. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah,
1: But, um, you know, I think that, um, I think that, that, um, that hasn't, that hasn't been an issue. I think it's really wonderful. Uh, I get a lot, a lot of young girls, you know, sometimes they're seven or 10 or 12 that come up to me and say, they watch me every week. And then the best part is Business. I mean, the last one I heard was, you know, Michelle, I was thinking about this and I don't like to eat my vegetables, but I really like lollipops. So I'm thinking <laughs> of putting vegetables inside a lollipop. And, and although that was maybe one of, one, of, one of the worst ideas I've ever heard, you know, the fact that you're thinking about what a business yes. should be and look like at 10 um, – it's extraordinary. And I think that, that those are like no, the moments that no, really keep wonderful. you, uh, you know, incredibly motivated to, uh, to keep doing
0: that. That's a, that's a wonderful story. And it is part of the process of keeping the dialogue of entrepreneurship going uh, across the country. You talk about, you talk about, you know, young people talking to you now, which is, is, is really awesome. Um, you started three companies before your 28th birthday. Were you a, a lemonade stand girl, but more I can see you doing some zag component of it when everybody else was doing it the usual way when you before you started these three companies you know I was um I was a
1: I was a good student and I cared about you know overachieving I was an engineer in first year that had figured out that I was going to be much better at building businesses than, than building bridges. Um, you know, my first business was a, was a coffee shop on Queens campus called the tea room. It's still there, uh, 10 years later, which is great. But what was really pivotal for me is I met a guy named Anatoly Melnichuk, um, in engineering, uh, you know, over a decade ago. And he was like a perfect Mm -hmm. risk taker that could sell anything. And, you know, we got together with him and, and a guy named Ryan Marion and, and just started brainstorming. And we would spend all of our time playing this game, you know, what's the next million dollar idea and would go through hundreds of ideas, whether that was, you know, water bottles and and biodegradable plastics that would that would disintegrate so you didn't have to recycle them, whether it was, you know, um, looking at some of the early online models. It it was it, it was we spent a lot of time um, thinking about that. And I, I still stand, I mean, if I wouldn't have met Anish in undergrad, I don't think I would have ever become an entrepreneur because, you know, he had this perfect ability to take risk and I had an ability to, to mitigate that risk and make sure that these companies didn't fail catastrophically overnight. Um, sure. and, and co-founders make a big difference. And, uh, you know, I worked with them for 10 years. And so it, uh, I think that that was, but part of starting early, um, was really critical because the skills learning a company, the skills they've learned running a caviar business are actually still the skills you use in a built an e-commerce company or a couponing app or, or a bank
0: really so Michelle, was was Anatoly you know with you when you started snap saves because we just talked about a 10 year journey with this person and uh, so can you it, it, was he with you and can you take us through that journey of snap saves which ultimately ended up to uh, your connection with Groupon
1: yeah so you know we We met um, in undergrad and had figured out the worldwide supply of caviar was down by 95% because we had just overfished the Caspian Sea. And so cold called Thomas Keller, uh, who's a famous chef in America, and asked why he didn't have caviar in his menu. You know, and yeah. he pauses and he goes, well, do you have any? And so we kind of knew at that moment that if we could figure out how to make it, um, we would have an active uh, audience that would really want the product. And so we're crazy <laughs> enough to literally graduate. Um, we had won, you know, six business plan competitions. And so we had about a $100,000. Um, and we just we drove Ryan's car all the way out to New Brunswick and we're like, we're going to build a fishery from scratch. And this is truly as crazy as it sounds that we needed <laughs> yeah. a, system, a boat and fishermen and a processing facility. Um, and, and, and like talk about being scrappy. Like we just kind of figured it out how to build a supply chain, um, from scratch. And so from there, you know, had actually built a pretty profitable business, but did it just before the 2008 recession. So that was not, you know, great timing on our part. Uh, (laughs) And then, yeah, built Bitopia together after that, you know, spun out SnapSaves together after that. Uh, You know, it's been a long journey.
0: Yeah, it's 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 funny you say it's been a long journey. You know, an entrepreneur who's sixty years old would say she thinks she's on a long journey. Oh my gosh, I've been doing this for forty years, and it it's probably though feels like a long journey, but isn't necessarily when you look back about, about everything that you've accomplished. Which is again, this you know one of those things was the Snap Saves and the and the Groupon thing. I'm, I'm curious about how did that dialogue start? Where Groupon did you reach out to Groupon or did Groupon reach out to you and can you talk to us a bit about negotiation and some of the the uh, the best practices you would recommend based on that transaction for our audience yeah I mean look deals are are complicated
1: and exceptionally unique depending on you know what what people need and what they're looking for and what's happening at that at that moment um you know we were connected uh to Groupon because we had been looking to raise a Series A and so had had some really strong early traction. I mean, in the first six months, we had every, you know, CPG, um, consumer package, good company signed up. So uh-huh. you know, Coke was a client, Pepsi was a client, Johnson Johnson was a client, Procter was a client. Like, all of those, you know, gave us pretty big traction. We were getting a lot of different downloads, and so we were starting to make a little bit of noise in the space. Um, we'd gone down to the valley, and then got connected with Groupon. And you know, at the time, it was, um, it was a great way to grow because you know, Groupon has. 70 million users across the U S like they're just enormous in terms of, in terms of user base. And so as we thought about scaling, um, it was certainly, you know, the option is always, do you, do you raise money and you keep building it yourself or do you partner up with someone really big? And, uh, so that's what, you know, made sense to do, uh, at the time.
0: And so you went, down there. And how did that relationship grow? Uh, did you, were you connected to uh, somebody in there who, who became your go-to to help you grow or was there another way in which that strategic alliance happened? Oh, in terms of after we were acquired. Yeah. Or sorry, with you sorry, I thought you said that you actually got into a relationship with them first to grow and then they bought you or did they buy you and then it just grew from there because of that acquisition.
1: Yeah no the the um it was just uh, after they acquired us we basically grew okay. together. Uh, we didn't yeah, do okay, a get um before that and it's and it's hard with early stage companies I mean sometimes you can make partnerships um in the early days work but this really made sense um as only an acquisition model. And so um we were, we got connected with them. I mean deals take a long time, right? This this is there's yeah. a big process to go through. Um there's a lot that could that can change and, you know, move as that happens. Um, and, uh, and so the deal closed, uh, later that year and then, uh, yeah. I moved to Chicago and, uh, and learned to sail. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you do that for? Um, so it was one of, uh, it was one of the activities that had been on my bucket list, um, for a long time. And so, you know, we joined the Groupon team, uh, Chicago is a great sailing city. So while we were there in the mm. summer, it was one of the things we were able to do, uh, on the weekends.
0: Do you have any aspirations to do a big sailing uh, voyage somewhere soon? Uh, not not soon, but
1: I will. Uh, I will. I will go across an ocean one day. That is that is on the list of things to do. <laughs>
0: is it really my dad actually has done that three times across the Atlantic. And that's why i am kind of tying, leaning in on the sailing menu He says, he said, one of the things that he remembers about that journey is being out in the middle of the ocean and feeling so mm-hmm. small at night. He was the one that had to be on, uh, on, on call or whatever. And so, uh, how small he felt in this vastness of the ocean in the middle of the night with the stars out. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I, I think you will do it. There's no doubt about it. Is there anything else on your bucket list that, uh, you'd like to share with us?
1: Oh, there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, and I think that, you know, a a lot of, when I look at, um, you know, some of the businesses I've started, like the real inspiration behind ClearBank was all about making it you know, easier for entrepreneurs to grow. Uh, And typically the number one impediment for entrepreneurs today is access to capital. And so our view was that today there's a lot of data that we can use, um, to better underwrite and adjudicate businesses and, uh, and provide access to capital without, you know, nasty personal guarantees and without, um, you know, really onerous terms. And so I think that that was, um, you know some of the ideas behind starting ClearBank, and uh, and it's been really exciting to uh, to see that grow.
0: Yeah, well, I, it's interesting to say about the accessibility and the ease of doing. I went on your site, uh, really did just see that how easy it is to do it. And you know, for entrepreneurs who would typically you know go through the traditional forms of trying to access financing, they 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 must they got to go. Oh my gosh, is this true? Is there some kind of you know what's the stick? What's the what's the the, the catch here? Yeah, what is the actual process that they go through, and how does that adjudication ha- happen so quickly? Yeah, it's really about you know we create um,
1: partnerships with with the platform, so you know the last partnership we um, or like so whether and, and then you can give us your data um, a lot easier through through one of our channels, and so that's kind of one of the reasons um, right. you know make it so easy. I mean, we just. Um, Announced that, that we work with Facebook, and so if you're a Facebook advertiser at an e-commerce website, um, yeah. you know you can plug in your Facebook data, um, which is typically your ad spend data. You can plug in your processing data, um, and we can look at giving you an offer from there. And so it was really exciting to um, to kind of join forces with them, and and that's kind of been um, you know the the inspiration behind that business, and also the inspiration behind a lot of you know the volunteer work I did earlier this year. Uh, you probably saw, but we we launched the Canadian entrepreneurship initiative with uh, with Bose uh-huh. and and Richard Branson um, in Ottawa, and that was again about how do we you know put a spotlight on more entrepreneurs, how do we share their stories, how do we give them better access to funding, uh, and really help them grow.
0: So, how how's business been at ClearBank since you since you started it? Uh, is there are you on a trajectory that you're happy with? Um, you know, what are the, what are some of the, uh, the the successes that you're seeing to date? And, and you know, you can talk in generalities, but um, uh, I'm interested: is the business where you want it to be right now, or uh, or do you want to take it to another level, or do you have some pivots you have to do yourself?
1: No, it was. Um it was, you know, the business has grown quite steadily over the um, over the last two years, and we've unlocked a few things in the past 12 months that that's really accelerated our growth. And so, um, team is 25 people now, uh, and we're we're excited to scale into 2018. And uh, and you know, when you build something from scratch, there's always little pivot points along the way. But you know, we're in a really good place now
0: that I'm pretty excited about. And what do you typically spend your days doing with ClearBank?
1: Um, we'll, we'll, you know, CEO stands for chief everything officer.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't you know it. <laughs> so that's,
1: that's but everything, everything, right. And, and, you know, I think that's, um, that's <laughs> part of what makes, you know, the life of an entrepreneur so interesting. Like I look at back at the last, you know, 10 years and there's not a single day that's been similar to any other day. Like, it's all different. There are new challenges. I always say that like two things a week blow up, you actually have no idea what those things are going to be. Um, and so that's, that's part of the fun and the part of the excitement. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, looking at a product and, you know, what we need to build, what we haven't built, and what our customers need. Sometimes it's looking at, you know, acquisition channels, sometimes it's, you know, closing partnerships, sometimes it's going to get uh, financing, sometimes it's dealing with, you know, people on your team, like, it's just, it's, it's really, it's chief everything officer and, uh, and it's all about what the business needs uh, at the moment today.
0: What about focusing on Michelle? Because uh, although you do spend time at 1030 at night thinking of things that you can conquer and do and, uh, and change and uh, adjust and so on, what do you do for your personal time? Oh, you know, I think that,
1: that the first thing is that when you have, um, when you do what you love, it kind of doesn't ever feel like work. And then uh, do it with people you really love, like, and people that you worked together for years and years and years, you're kind of just, you're just like having a great time. And, so, yeah. um, you know, I spend, I spend, you know, 90, 95% of my time, you know, operating and growing ClearBank. You know, in addition to that, I spend a lot of time with, you know, the angel companies and the angel deals I did through dragon's den. And so that's, that's a great fun for us though, because a lot of, you know, when you know something, when you figure something out, like it's fun to be able to apply that to a different, different company. I mean, I look at, you know, a deal like Taplock. um, Which we did, I did about a year ago. Um, These guys came on to Dragon's Den. They had done one crowdfunding campaign. They had no sales at the time. Um, And what they had done, instead of like, you know, a a traditional combination lock, like the ones you put on your gym locker that you always forget like three numbers and you try them like six times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. So they put a fingerprint (laughs) scanner on a padlock. And then they, have, you know, Bluetooth in it, and they have an emergency setting called Morse code. If Bluetooth and your fingerprint doesn't work, um, it's a beautiful lock. Like it, it looks and feels amazing. And today they're at, you know, half a million dollars of sales a month. And so it's, we've really helped them grow and think about, you know, their ad strategy and. And you know, Anatoly took them to China for a month to get their manufacturing down. And so, I, I end up spending a lot of my time with other little companies. Um, but I think that's—I uh, think that's part of the fun. Um, it sure does. It's, It's—it's um, what I get to do. And then I think I get to talk to a lot of you know entrepreneurs and and share that way through some of the media stuff. And then in the summer, I try and get sailing on the weekends.
0: <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Well, you know, I, I, when I watch Dragon's Den and I see a company come on there and the question is asked, do you have any sales? And they say no. And then the editing starts to pan into the dragons, with the, the eyes <laughs> go in the air or whatever. And I and I wonder, how could these companies go on there without any sales? And, but then I'm listening to you and I'm saying, well, no, Michelle's got this amazing experience with Anatoly because you've gone through this disgusting discovery process this practice if i could call it of being able to zone in on a good freaking idea it just needs structure behind it yeah. to make it work and uh, and and this is an example of one of them and, and what's what's the name of the company and again sorry you didn't mention it's it it's a tap so T A P L
1: O C K. yeah so it's I love it it's um and it, yeah, it's a great product. You should uh, you should check it out, and and uh, yeah. certainly awesome for Christmas. And and to be fair, they <laughs> they didn't have any current online sales. They had done a crowdfunding campaign that they had raised two hundred thousand uh-huh. dollars. So we had some good early indications that consumers right. want the product. I think I'm still you know a little bit skittish, as you said, about doing totally you know yeah. pre revenue. Um, but again, when you have to build a piece of hardware, like you got to build the product first and then you got to sell, right. Uh, right. You should be testing that idea and building a prototype and, and doing exactly what these guys did, testing it on a, on a crowdfunding campaign and seeing if anyone wants the product, you just dreamed up. Um, but you don't need to make a million units, uh, before you sell them. And so we had some good early indications, um, but they've been a, they've been a great,
0: uh, they've been a great story. And did any, did another dragon actually go in that deal with you?
1: No, I did that one. Um, I did that one alone. And so, uh, it's, uh, it's,
0: it's an exciting one for sure. Is there a favorite dragon you like to do a deal with? <laughs> oh, it's like a <laughs> favorite child. That's not a, I know that's not yeah, a good question. there is one, but there is one. You just don't want to say it. <laughs> you know, the, the nice part is that everyone on that
1: show earned their seat in a very different way. And so right. I actually learn a lot. Because everyone's a type A and everyone's an alpha and everyone has very strong opinions on how to build a business. And the reality is, is there's a lot of different ways to build a business. So there's no perfect answer to most of these things. Um, right. but you know, I've got to learn about franchising through gym and alcohol through Ben yes. sheet and fashion through Joe. And, and that's been um that's been really insightful, right? Like that's a whole new group. I mean, I'm, I'm the tech dragon. And so I kind of bring that insight to the show constantly sure. and I'm a young dragon. And so I kind of, you know, have a better understanding of what millennials are thinking about and what crowdsourcing is and crowdfunded labor than, than maybe Jim's thinking about at, at 75. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the magic of the show is that the audience gets to see that diversity of opinion.
0: Yeah, I think that that's brilliant. Do you? I no, I said I promised I wouldn't come back on these questions, but I find them really fascinating. Do you guys go out and socialize together? You know, kind of, kind of break bread, drink wine together. And, oh yeah, uh, for uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's um, Joe.
1: It's the best. Like when you join that show, it's like you get in a canoe with. You know, five other people and you're yep. on a trip for three weeks together. And so during the show we spend a lot of time, you know, hanging out and and we all eat lunch together. We go for, you know, dinner and drinks, you know, after half the filming nights. Like it's a it's a it's a little crew.
0: It's fun. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's like going to camp together in the same cabin. Pretty much. And you did yeah. not
1: choose your roomies,
0: but now <laughs> That's cool. Um, I want to talk about scaling, uh, Michelle, because you've uh, you've done a very good job of uh, doing that with uh, with your companies. Um, you're a director of uh, of Freshy, which is a fast food health store that ranks higher than McDonald's in some way in terms of international expansion. I personally believe that scaling is a is a skill that uh, there's not a lot of knowledge on how to do it properly across our country. They're great at startups and getting them to. Validation and so on, but the scaling is the tough part. Are there any best practices with your experience and your connections on the on the den that you say you got to remember these two or three things in order to be successful to scale your company?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to scale. And so, you know, I'll give you just a couple different examples from, from my own career. Right. So, so you gave okay. the freshy example earlier, I joined the board. That's a franchise based model that went international very quickly. You know, their fifth location was in the United States. Um, and they figured out a model really well um, for having to to spend you know a low amount of capital, but really grow an incredible network of stores. And they've done really well. Um, I'm also one of the directors uh, for a company called Vail Resorts, and they're about you know eight billion dollar market cap, uh, based out of Colorado. They started with with three uh, ski resorts in Colorado and today own 16. And so they bought Worcester Blackcomb. They have Parisher in Australia. They have three resorts in Tahoe. They have you know Park City in, uh, in Utah. Um, and that was really a strategy where they grew through very uh, aggressive acquisitions. And so they mm. you know, continued to roll up different ski resorts and then had an incredible marketing strategy around how to capture skiers and get skiers to repeat um, in their resorts. And then finally, you know, you look at examples like, um, you know, snap Saves. I mean, the scaling method there was to, you know, drive our own downloads. Consumers love the product because, you know, we were giving, um, uh, you know, cash back to buy your groceries and then to partner with really big brands to do that. Um, and then you look at the Bitopia example and Bitopia grew really well in the first year because we had... Um, you know, very good low acquisition costs to find customers, you know. Right. And in the second and third year, we really focused on partnering with national brands, and so you know, partnered from everyone from um, Netflix to Cirque du Soleil to Staples to to. It didn't matter who we were doing. You know, some of the biggest deals in the industry. And then in our third and fourth year, really grew by deploying a roll-up strategy. And so, you know, started with buying smaller daily deal sites, um, bought about six that way. Uh, you know, today the entities bought, um, uh, you know, WagJag, which was owned by Toronto Star, Mighty Deals in the UK, Shop.ca, and and again, used an acquisition strategy. And so the the real answer and, and why I'm telling you all these stories is that there is never a a tried and true method for how to Mm. And it really shifts in the, in the time your business is growing. And so you can see with the example, it was first of all, you know, how do we get low cost customers and how do we get really good at optimizing ad spend? That's essential for any business. Then it was, you know, how do we grow, you know, with the help of partners through bigger partners where we can be beneficial and we can both grow. And then it was, well, now we got to go buy little companies or buy bigger companies, um, to help do this. And so it's, it's really keeping, um, it's really setting big goals. I think is the is the first thing. Right. You have to want to not be a little business anymore. I mean, yeah, right. Fun is always in. How do we ten x this? How do we ten x this? How do we keep making this bigger? Um, and so asking those questions, and it's hard because most people think about two X in their mind. They think if we could double next year, that would be great. Um, And the real question you have to ask is how do we 10 X and what are the creative ways? And then you got to try a lot of things. I mean, it's just like getting your idea and and product market fit right in the early days. You got to try a lot of things before you get something to work. And so you end up, you know, employing a bunch of these strategies. And when you get one that works, you just Double down and uh, focus, and, and focus on it for sure.
0: Right, brilliant. I love it. Thank you for that. Um, I got to ask you this question: You're used to being the leader of the company, or at least in the leadership role <laughs> at some level. What's it like to be a director of companies where, yes, you have an important voice to say, but ultimately you're not the one that has the opportunity to veto or 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 not? You know, leadership is
1: never about. The title that someone gives you and always about the influence you exude. Um, Uh And you have to earn that every single day. And so when I think of leadership that way, like, it's not, you know, my employees, like, it's not, they don't, they don't have to listen to me. And people can do all sorts of creative (laughs) things to not listen to you, right? Like, this is not, you know, leadership is not about being a dictator. It's about earning your ability to be listened to. And I believe that. And and if you're hiring people that are smarter than you, you want some of that natural um, challenge and and moving forward on on what you are doing. And so I think that um, I think of a a role as the director in the same kind of way. And and one of the nice things about being a director is that you are really there to give kind of high level guidance, because Mm. as an operator, it is impossible to Stay out of the weeds. It just, it it always happens this way. No matter what you say, you are always going to have to deal with, you know, your biggest vendor who's giving you a headache over something that you didn't anticipate was going to be a problem. You always have to deal with, you know, key people um, leaving or moving or needing, you know, a switch in their role. You are always going to have to deal with these details because the details at some point become mission critical. And so as a director, you know, you can step back a little bit and look a little bit more about What's happening to the industry? What is this whole leadership team uh, need overall? How do we think and how can I be helpful about making connections in the spaces that you want to make um, uh-huh. to perpetuate that forward? And so I think that um, I think that, but I think it's the same thing. You, you earn your respect on those boards. You are doing things that are helpful, that add value. And ultimately, that is what gives you um, the position of influence for people to really be listening to you.
0: I love that uh, you referenced leadership. You've earned the right to be listened to. It's—I uh, always like to take a, a, an aha moment from everybody that I speak to on the podcast, and you gave me it with that one. I appreciate that. Um, look, you are a big, big fan of supporting entrepreneurs and and their journeys, and uh, you know, I—I um, I, I thought it was very kind of you yesterday when we were doing our test on Skype, and said looking forward to talking to you, and you said hi, Rivers Of course. Of course, I would give you my time. I'm so looking forward to speaking to you tomorrow. You really, really do that so well and make people feel comfortable that they're not wasting your time in that regard. And and so, thank you for that. Um, the second part is, I want to, as we end our conversation, I want I want you to talk more about the uh, the charity that you're the charity work you're doing with regards to entrepreneurship and Richard Branson, because you're right. I did uh, I hear did hear about that at Startup Day on the Hill and the award ceremony and so on. But I want to I want you to talk about it as we uh, as we head to the end of this awesome conversation.
1: Yeah. So I think. Um... You know, one of the things that uh, and this was really um, led by my mentor, Ruma Bose, and she's amazing. And so she she's been an entrepreneur as well for for 20 years and did a huge body of research around why, you know, what are the what are the problems and issues we're having um, in entrepreneurship in Canada? And one of the things is we asked Canadians to name the entrepreneurs they look up to. And Uh what was shocking is half of Canadians, 51% almost, could not name an entrepreneur
0: they looked up to. And so that's the first problem. That did the the other half say Don Cherry?
1: (laughs) They they didn't say (laughs) Don Cherry, but they said said John Molson. They said the founder of Bombardier. They they said, um, you know, Kevin O'Leary. Yes. And... You know, first of all, everyone in the top five. And then they said some Americans, um, ah. the, the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks and, and Bill Gates. Um, but really, you know, there wasn't a single female in the top five that, uh. that people thought of as an entrepreneur. And this is a problem if we we don't look up to entrepreneurs, because on entrepreneurs you know build the world that we live in going forward they and do look yeah they
0: the, they they're the heroes right
1: they're the heroes and and not in a not in a trite way like we have big global problems to solve and uh-huh. you know governments and lots of people have very good intentions around how do we build you know clean energy and you know the technology for the future but ultimately you know it was Elon Musk the entrepreneur that said I'm building this car and I'm making this mainstream. And when you think about the impact that made, it was extraordinary. And so I think that we we need to have um, we need to have those aspirations in society because there's a lot of people that aspire to be rock stars and basketball players and, you know, other careers that are that are celebrity related. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we also need to put entrepreneurs on that same pedestal because they they change the world we live in. And uh, wow. they'll be ultimately the ones um, that bring us to uh, to a much better place, I think.
0: And so how do, how do people find out more about, uh, about the, um, the initiative that you guys are focusing on? Is there, is there a website yeah. address we can, so can all
1: dive into? Yeah, so you can go to the Canadian Entrepreneurship um, Initiative, check it out. We have the whole body of research um, on there, which is well worth the read, and tools and resources for entrepreneurs. Richard was uh, in, in Ottawa with us to launch the program in June, and we're excited to continue uh, announcing our partnerships, which will happen in the new year. Cool. What's the rest of the day look like for you? <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I don't think you want to see. I. I Instagram story a lot at. Uh, you know, at Michelle Romano. One L and Michelle, because my parents forgot the second L. Um, if you okay. follow me, but. Uh, but it. I sometimes take a picture of my calendar, and it's just like back to back to back. Um, of Sometimes I get some of my best like thinking and doing time in the evening. Um, yes. But there's lots of different
0: things uh,
1: happening today, and also going to uh, to see one of the business plan competitions tonight. So we'll be with some entrepreneurs there.
0: Uh, we're lucky to have you. Michelle Romano, I can't thank you enough for giving us your time today. Uh, this is just a real, uh, real joy for me personally. And I know a real thrill for our audience coast to coast to coast. And by the way, this is a global audience too. We, uh, we heard from the Global Entrepreneurship Summit the other day that we have fans for the Startup Canada podcast show in Germany. So now, you, isn't that awesome? Such a cool organization. And, and I'm sorry, I said there was only one more thing, but I got to tell you, please give us your thoughts on Startup Canada to take us out on this conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Startup Canada has been great. Any initiative to encourage uh, the celebration of entrepreneurs in Canada is is so important. And, uh, and I think it's important to tell the stories. I mean, uh. this is one of the hardest careers in the world. Like to be an entrepreneur is to fail eighty percent of the time and to succeed twenty percent. But the you know, you get such big successes out of that twenty percent, you can keep up. But that's a lot of time where things are not going right. It's a lot of time where things are really hard. It's a lot of time where it is so much easier to give up and go forward. And I think that, you know, the more you realize that every entrepreneur goes through that journey, um, the easier it makes for you to keep going. And so I just, I always, you know, I'm a big fan of being, you know, overly honest, telling people how hard it really is, telling people (laughs) that they're not going through this journey alone and anything that helps amplify and share those stories is awesome. So thank you for doing this uh, with Startup Canada Rivers.
0: Leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode.
2: Hi, this is Jason Goodman, founder and U.S. director of U.S. Ventures, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett
0: let's and let's touch on that for a second because you know I, I'm, I'm, I'll fall on my own stupid sword here and say my impression of UX is always that it was it had to have a technical component associated with it um, I'm hearing it's not and there's other. It's, it really is about just multi touch points what are the touch points that ultimately make that engagement piece more powerful for the stakeholder that you're connecting with Is, is that fair to say that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely less technical than maybe people think. I think most people can actually get, and that's why I think a lot of people are jumping into and have jumped into uh, the U.S. industry. Yes, because it's actually quite it's quite easy to jump in. You know, I I teach I teach uh, U.S. sessionally at uh, at OCAD University. And, you know, one of the things I tell my students right away is, you know, I may be working in the field, I may be your professor of UX, I am not an expert. Yeah. And anybody who tells you they're an expert in UX is lying because there's no such thing. Mm.
0: Um, Mm.
2: UX requires a multidisciplinary perspective. So the fact that I have a background in business and in marketing and and psychology and education, that's what makes me, uh, you know that's what helps me become a, a good user experience designer because I have, you know, I'm able to take different people's perspectives and, and take all those different experiences and, you know, and put them to good use. But yeah. yeah you're, when you're, you look you're, at like a map. You're like a traffic yeah, so cop.
0: You're, sorry, you're like a traffic cop. You really facilitate the journey based on those needs. It isn't, this is the way you have to go. It's really understanding what the needs are and then facilitating the appropriate journey, bringing, bringing in the right players around that. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, and it's also you know everybody's voice is important. So you yes. know, design thinking and and UX uh, is the type of discipline that says you know you know big decisions or big product decisions or big business decisions shouldn't shouldn't necessarily just be the domain of the CEO and the CTO right, and the, right. the C-suite executive. Yeah, it 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 no, let's actually talk to customer support people who are yes. talking to your customers every day. What do they saying? Yeah, and let's talk to you know the you know the the family over here that's using your product and uh, understanding how they are perceiving your business and just trying to you know sometimes it's overwhelming for people and they feel like it's too it's too much research or too much um, deep diving for them to to go down so they don't do it they skip it they go with they go with their instincts um, and that that's just not best practice.